We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Rotowire NBA podcast presented, as always, by WinBet. Check out winbet.com for all your sports wagering needs. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, winbet.com. Uh, Nick Whalen here, joined, as usual, on Mondays by Rotowire's James Anderson. Uh, James, I want to start by hitting a couple of the news items as we head into week four uh, of the NBA season. Uh, then we're going to take a look back at the 2020 NBA draft, something that, that you and I love doing is always taking a look back at these past drafts. And now that we have, you know, a year plus to evaluate a lot of these guys, uh, we're going to do a redraft of the the top 10 or 15 picks um, and then just talk about, uh, you know, in context, you know, where some of the other kind of middling guys from this class end up. Uh, and then we'll finish out by discussing the 2021 class. And I, I don't know, I feel like, James, we don't have quite enough of a sample to to like do a confident redraft at this point, especially with Cade Cunningham now having played like three and a half games. Um, it, it just wouldn't feel right to to do that. But I want to discuss all those guys, um, you know, kind of how we would rank them so far, what we like, what we haven't liked. Uh, but again, starting with the news, Jalen Brown out one to two weeks with a hamstring injury. Um, that, that was one of the early headlines this morning uh, before we found out shortly after that Joel Embiid is now in the NBA's health and safety protocols. I, I know this is something that Alex and I have to deal with a little more than you do, James, on the on the content side, but equally frustrating for, one, people who enjoy watching the NBA uh, as unbiased observers, and two, uh, people like you and I who are in a bunch of fantasy leagues, and here we are for the second straight year now with, with COVID-19 absences kind of wreaking havoc. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really frustrating, I, I think. Um, you know, ideally, you're able to play in leagues with daily roster moves or at the very least the NFBKC midweek uh, roster changes. But 
Um, for those of us stuck playing in these kind of prehistoric weekly leagues where you can't make any moves midweek, uh, you're just going to end up taking a ton of zeros throughout the year. I mean, I, I took plenty of zeros with like Christophs Porzingis and Jalen Brown already and D'Angelo Russell this past week. I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes uh, if you're in weekly leagues. Yeah, I mean, LeBron James also been in that in that category a few times already. Um, most recently now with, with an abdominal injury that seems like it's going to keep him out at least through this week. There, there was a report on Twitter and I, I don't know you know how like truly sourced it was. I think it was from like kind of one of those like Twitter doctor analysts who said, you know, he would expect LeBron to miss significantly more time, you know, multiple months perhaps uh, rather than this, this shorter term timeline that the Lakers have laid out, but we'll see. Um, it, it feels like at least a couple weeks though, which I don't know. Like, I, I still, I, I've still not come around to the fact that like LeBron can actually get injured, even though two of these last three years he's missed significant time. Like I, I thought both of those were kind of fluky, but I mean he's going to end up missing probably at least what like I don't know ten or fifteen games over the Lakers' first thirty or forty, which I don't know. I mean I, I, at this point in his career, I, I guess that's just something that that we have to factor in. And I, I think if it's three out of the four years now where this has happened that he's been in LA, um, I, I think I have to get off the fluke train on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I definitely agree with you. And I mean, I think uh, if they play it safe, he'll miss, you know, two plus weeks. Uh, if they rush him back, he could re-injure it and then he could mm-hmm. miss another couple weeks. And, you know, you, you definitely wouldn't rule him out getting injured again later this season. So, uh, I, I mean, I think the Lakers really at this point should probably be just kind of hoping to finish with a top six record because they're just really uh, not not a very scary team at all when LeBron's not out there. Well, James, I think you're forgetting they brought in a future Hall of Fame ball handler <laughs> to ease the pressure on LeBron James. You know, so w- when he's sitting out due to an injury or when he's off the floor, you know, the pressure's off him. They, they can win without him now. I mean, say what you will about Russell Westbrook, but he gives it his all on every single play. Uh <laughs> Like no one, I, no one tries harder. No one tries harder. No one leaves it all out there more than Russell Westbrook. Where does this come in on the comedy scale so far? I, I think you and I were expecting there to be a fair amount of comedy. I, I think it's somehow been, it's been about as bad as I expected. But I, I think it's been like like some of the the gaffes that Russell Westbrook has made early on have been like even more egregious than I expected. Like I, I kind of thought he would be on his best behavior at least early on, like being in LA, you know, be, being around Le- LeBron, being on a team with with bigger expectations than the ones that he's been on these last few years, I, I thought there would at least be like a small two or three week period where, where people would start saying like, Hey, you know, Russell Westbrook, maybe he's starting to figure it out. Maybe he's going to change uh, the, like the recklessness with which he has just continued to be Russell Westbrook to me is a little surprising. Yeah. And his defensive blunders have mm-hmm. uh, really kind of gotten um, a lot more eyeballs based on the team right. he plays for. And those two, I mean, in terms of unintentional comedy, those two Thunder losses are, mm-hmm. are right up there. I think that was a 26-point lead and then a 19-point lead that the Lakers blew in those games. LeBron did not play in either one. I think AD got hurt early in the second one. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the idea, like, the whole point of Russell Westbrook was, you know, even if we, if we can't quite figure it out in the playoffs, we'll deal with that when we get there. But you know, at the very least, he's going to just take so much pressure off of LeBron. And I mean, if anything, like Westbrook has, has single-handedly lost them at least two games this year. And you could probably make a case for three or four. I mean, I think uh, I'd be kind of worried if I was a, 
SGA owner because all of a sudden the Thunder have, I mean, granted the Thunder aren't going to get to play the LeBronless Lakers every mm-hmm. game, but the Thunder won again uh, last night, I believe. Yeah, and, they beat the Spurs. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're already kind of winning at a higher clip than I think the, the front <laughs> office would like, so I'd, I'd be a little worried if I had SGA. Uh, it's such a backwards way of thinking, but you're totally right. I mean, we saw this last year too, where you know they they overperformed early on and had to make a a hard correction to ensure that they didn't win too many games over the second half of the year. I, I mean, they they took they took enough flack for it that I I feel like maybe they wouldn't be quite as aggressive this year. And and we'll also see how this this draft class shapes up. You know, I feel like it's not quite there aren't as many like known commodities as of right now as it felt like there were this time last year because there was so much hype around guys like Green and Cunningham. Uh, and even Mobley to some degree. Um, and, you know, by the time we get into the college season and the G League season, um, you know, maybe we'll some of those players will end up emerging. But I think the fact that there's not necessarily this clear top prize um, that, that teams are aiming for, like maybe that gives the Thunder a little bit more uh, flexibility. But but like you said, I, I would be very surprised if, if Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander is out there for 30 plus minutes a night when we get to April and, and early May. Yeah, I, I agree. I will say though, I, I was—I think I expressed some concern to you a couple weeks ago about taking LeBron over SGA uh, in in my NFBKC draft. <clears throat> SGA has still been a little spotty. You only had 14 points against the Spurs in that game. Kind of a weird one where neither team scored well. Uh, I think 14 like led all starters in that game. Um, so it, it was a strange game. But with the LeBron injuries, I, I'm starting to feel a little bit better about that one. But what have you made of of SGA's season so far? About what you expected? Um. <clears throat> I think a little bit, a little bit worse, a little bit uh, less consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's he's had very high highs, but I mean, he's had uh, three games with 15 or fewer points, which right. like on a on a team that bad where he's by far the best player. You would think that even on a off night, he could get you 18 or 20. Um, but I mean, he he's been fine. There've been mm-hmm. there've been bigger busts in that range of the draft thus far. They certainly have, and you know, Michael Porter going for additional scans on his lower back. He will not play Monday. Uh, I, I assume that's maybe where that was going. I, I feel like we need our like five minutes of weekly um, <clears throat> expressing just complete discontent uh, with Michael Porter. I, I guess at least I, I'm like somewhat encouraged that we now maybe have a reason for why he wasn't playing well. Uh, although, you know, you would have thought that if this back issue had been hampering the whole time, uh, we would have heard about it, you know, prior to 10 games into the year. Uh, but at least it, it potentially explains, you know, what has been, you know, a cold start that like all the other players, you know, that are off to, to slow starts and there are, there are more than usual, it seems. Um, I, I feel pretty good about that. The bulk of that group turning it around, like Porter's the one I was worried most about. And, and obviously a guy with his history, having back issues is, is not a positive, but, it was it was just so bizarre and, and pretty much unexplainable through those first eight or nine games that um, you know, at, at least now he's you know getting it checked out and and this potentially is some sort of a turning point for him uh, assuming the back issue doesn't turn out to be something more severe than it looks as of now. Yeah, I mean the nice thing is you can just put him on your bench. Um, it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a day to day thing, so you don't have to play that guessing game. And honestly, he'd kind of gotten to the point where you could have maybe justified sitting in even if he was quote unquote healthy just mm-hmm. to kind of see how, see if things got straightened out. But um, I mean, you, you can put him on the bench, you can put Jalen Brown on the bench, you can put 
I mean, you can, you can put Joel Embiid on the bench. Yeah, um, I, I think Tobias Harris is, is still a little iffy for this week. Chris Middleton kind of up in the air as well. Um, I mean, the, the COVID absences are so hard to to get a gauge on because we just don't we just don't really ever get the information that you're truly looking for. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of Philly, by the way, and Boston, I guess, to some degree, in that Sham Sharania article from this morning on The Athletic, uh, kind of his weekly news dump, he mentioned Boston as a team that has inquired about Ben Simmons. And, and of course, Daryl Morey you know, asked for Jalen Brown in exchange. It didn't. The article didn't really state what Boston's retort was to that. I assume it was a just hang up the phone and, and that's that. But if you're inquiring about him, if you're Boston, like you have to expect that Tatum or Brown is going to be brought up, especially given the GM that you're dealing with. And if you're not really willing to discuss either of those guys, I, I don't know what the what the other deal is here for Boston, unless you think Simmons value is depressed enough that that, you know, some package centered around like Marcus Smart or Schroeder, maybe even Robert Williams. You know, he would conceivably be more on the table to me than Tatum or Brown. Uh, but, but interesting, nonetheless, that they're, you know, I, I wouldn't say publicly sniffing around, but uh, it's reached the point now where the entire league knows about it. I mean, I think you just got to do your due diligence if you're any team. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, the the Timberwolves were like sniffing around for months without including any of their legitimate assets. So, I mean, a package centered around Marcus Smart versus a package centered around D'Angelo Russell. Like, I, I don't know if either those are different levels of um, mm-hmm. kind of unfair. So, I mean, I think I think most teams are just sniffing around and. I mean, you're just going to keep seeing leaks from Maury's side and from Simmons' side uh, the longer this drags on, where they're just trying to drum up some level of interest. But, I mean, I don't really see anything happening anytime soon. If if they're somehow able to get a Jalen Brown-level asset out of this at this point, I think that would be a a massive, massive victory for Philly. And I I assume the point of leaking this is to, you know, basically have Jalen Brown and his camp know, like, hey, just so you know, you've been discussed here. Even if it's coming from Philly's side— uh, I, I think you're trying to sow like any seeds of unrest that would potentially push this deal along uh, at some point down the road. I almost thought that there might have been some sort of Daryl Morey. Um, uh, you, did you see that? Like, I, I didn't even read it, but that big sort of hit piece on Neil O'Shea. Like, yeah. I was wondering if like the the Sixers might have somehow had their hands in that just to try to like cause as much potential unrest in like all these different teams as they can to <laughs> just try to. Like, have Lillard be like, oh, now I don't want to play for this guy anymore. So now I right. went out. Like, that 
I mean, I don't think you could put anything past that for Daryl Morey. I, I think that would be a little extreme, but it wouldn't be like that shocking if, you know, somebody who currently works for the Sixers and who used to work for Portland, you know, had had something to do with that. Um, and I, I know you're half joking, but it's not that unrealistic. Um, you and I have both been in on Ben Simmons in the past. You know, we were, I think we were both pretty big Simmons guys a year or two ago. How much? Like, how, I, I would. For, that's that's an overcharacterization for, for me. Really? No, overcharacterization for me. Okay, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll just, just dig I back to the never, I thought you were a big Simmons guy. How much hope do you have for him to still salvage a productive 2021-22 season? I mean, long term, we'll kind of see where this goes. But given all that we know right now, like if you're if you're a team like say Boston that would make this trade, you know you you're you're not getting you're not looking at this necessarily as a long term thing. It's like you're you're looking for a player who you're ideally going to keep around long term, but also someone who's going to improve your situation in the short term. You know, Boston's not looking to, to take the next year or two off from contention. Like how confident are you that if, if he gets to a situation where he feels comfortable and feels confident that he can go back to being a productive player, or are we looking at a situation where it's closer to like Markel Fultz, where, you know, it's kind of a long-term like mental climb back to get to that point where, where you're feeling like a productive NBA player. I mean, I, I wasn't touching him like at any point in, in a draft. Um, or auction, I just think there's a legitimate chance he doesn't play until, I don't know, like right around the trade deadline. Like maybe he gets traded before the trade deadline and plays the rest of the games after the trade deadline. Uh, I also think it's possible he doesn't get traded at all this year. And um, they, it, like I just can't picture Daryl Morey swallowing his pride and taking what the market's offering him. And I don't see the market stepping up their offers. And in fact, I mean, I don't think Philly is surprised by this, but I mean, they're certainly a much better offense uh, this season than they have been in past seasons. And that's with Embiid playing below his normal levels offensively. And I think the main reason for that is just that you you don't have a a total zero in the half court out there on offense anymore. So, like, I, I don't see teams being more eager to trade for Ben Simmons as the season goes on. And so, and I also don't see Daryl Morey um, lowering his asking price and taking Mm -hmm. that sort of public embarrassment of doing that. So I just, I have, you know, if if I was in a league with, uh, if I was in a roto league with shallow, like a 10 or 12 team roto league with shallow benches, I wouldn't even want to roster him right now. Um, Because I mean, even if, even if he's at his absolute best, he's a huge negative, um, in three pointers and free throw percentage right. and then uh you know even in a points league you know he he has a chance to be pretty decent if he's the hub of an offense but um like i think people are just there, there's been this weird national media obsession with ben simmons uh like defensively like i think he's been overrated for years as i've said many times um and he obviously just can't shoot and he can't be trusted so but there's this like idea that he's this like awesome player and partly because of like how good of a prospect he was but um like for fantasy he's never been in especially in roto he's never been this like star like Kyrie Mm -hmm. Irving like if you get peak Kyrie Irving in fantasy that's awesome um peak Ben Simmons is just kind of like a mid-round pick yeah no that's a good point and I think the fact that Philly's eight and two Number one offense in the league by a mile, actually. I mean, they're they're three points per 100 ahead of the the number two offense in the league. 
right now, which which belongs to the Miami Heat entering Monday. Like the fact that they're playing well, not only without Simmons, but with Tobias Harris missing time, with, with Embiid not playing all that well, you know, being kind of banged up with the knee. Um, you know, Matisse Thibault's missed time. Like they've they've had about as bad of injury and COVID luck as as any team has to begin the year. And you're still eight and two. Like there's not a ton of internal pressure to 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 make this deal right now. Like when the team is cruising along, um, you know, you're you're kind of fine without him. And and you know, ceiling wise. Maybe they don't have enough right now to to potentially win the title, but I, I don't think that pressure is going to build until the team actually struggles. So I, that's a really good point to bring up how well they have played on offense. Um, but I don't I don't know what to think with this anymore. Honestly, I, I think the the longer the season goes on and the longer that he is not really around the team, and we're not even sure you know what kind of shape he's in. You know, it seems like he still has some sort of a back injury. Unclear. You know, if that's if that's a phantom thing or, or if that's actually real. The longer the season goes on, I think the less realistic it becomes to trade him to a contender because then you have a shorter window not only to you know integrate him to your team and, and hope that everything works out. He's a tough guy to fit in, but you have to worry about you know getting back into game shape. You know if he has a bad week, does all of a sudden you know some of the issues that we saw in the playoffs resurface? Like I think the not having a longer time to evaluate and integrate him is is slowly going to like kind of whittle down the field of teams that would potentially want him this season. Yeah, I mean the the best thing that could happen for the, uh, the the Sixers is just that like a desperate GM, um, you know, it, their their team is underperforming and it, they just kind of make a hail mary move and try to get Simmons in there yeah. to jumpstart things. But again, I mean, it's just Maury's just going to have to accept a package that he has publicly said he will not accept. I think for anything to get done this mm-hmm. year. All right, let's take a quick break. And then we'll talk 2020 NBA redraft. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. The RotoWire NBA podcast is brought to you by Vivid Seats. Preseason basketball has wrapped up and we're ready for the regular season to tip off this week. Live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back into the action. So grab your NBA tickets and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Man, that feels good to say. Even better, Vivid Seats just launched a new and improved rewards program with free tickets for every single fan. Earn rewards, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping with Vivid Seats. If you're looking for tickets to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show that everyone is talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit vividseats.com, that's V-I-V-I-D, 
S-E-A-T-S, vividseats.com, or download the Vivid Seats app today. Vivid Seats, life happens live. The new NBA season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy basketball. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being offered shark-free. To celebrate the beginning of basketball season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 site credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo will have a Friday main contest as well as single game contest all season long. Play in a single game contest of your choice throughout the week, then join our Friday main contest to compete for our largest cash prize. Play daily fantasy basketball on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to get started. We're going to do a redraft of the 2020 NBA draft. This, of course, is the Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman draft. Uh, and we, we've had now a season plus to evaluate most of the guys in this class, some more than others. You know, Wiseman still has played fewer than 40 games. Um, you know, Killian Hayes, another lottery pick, missed a ton of time last year. Um, so we've seen more of some of these guys than others. Uh, but still, it, it start, it's starting to feel like we are getting to know most of these players and, and kind of getting a sense of what their trajectory will be going forward. So I will let you kick it off. Do you want to give me your top three picks in order if we were redoing this draft? Sure. Uh, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. I have the same three. I don't really know if there was any consideration for anyone else. I think there's a clear, to me, there's a clear top tier and it's probably LaMelo and Edwards. Um, Halliburton's knocking on the door. I think he's still a slight tier, like a half step below those two for me. But but to me, he was a very clear number three before before we get into, I guess, what would be the third tier of players who, like, like that top three to me, it just like long-term ceiling wise, I think there's a divide there between them and the rest of the class. Yeah, I mean, with LaMelo and Edwards, you're getting that very obvious ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Halliburton is probably the most complete player of those three at the moment. And probably would fit on the most amount of teams as a winning player. Mm-hmm. Um, I have fewer question marks. Like, I mean, to me, LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards have had discouraging starts to the season uh, from a real life standpoint. I mean, I know they're, they're getting their fantasy numbers and everything, but I, you know, Edwards efficiency is, you know, kind of worst case scenario right now. And LaMelo really seems to be kind of, coasting um you know he's he's shooting really well from the outside and he's taking some really difficult attempts but uh there's just a lot of other plays where he's doing some head head scratching stuff so uh, mm-hmm. i mean i think halliburton is kind of a rock solid one of those three but the other two are the ones with uh that big upside yeah i think that's a really good way to characterize it i i think i've been maybe a little more impressed with the mellow than you have. I mean, defensively, there's still, you know, you talk about coasting, there's still some major issues there, despite, um, you know, what the steal numbers might imply. Like, he, he definitely has had a better fantasy start than a real life start. But I, I think, like, the games where he's looked really engaged and been at his best, it's like, okay, he, he looks, he's taken even a, a step up from those games last year. Um, and we haven't quite seen that from Edwards. I, I feel like he played better in the preseason, ironically. Uh, and he's, he's certainly had his moments, but 
the efficiency has, has definitely been an issue with Edwards. And I, I still think long-term, like Halliburton could be a multi-time all-star, but I wouldn't put him in the category of like, if things break right for LaMelo and things break, break right for Edwards, you know, we're talking potential top 15, top 15, top 20 player in the league. And, you know, I, I think Halliburton at best is kind of on the, the outside looking into that category. Yeah, I agree. All right. So who did you have at number four? If I were the 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 GM of an NBA team, I would take Devin Vassell at number four. Uh, there's maybe four or five guys that I would consider there. Uh, and, you know, maybe if you really needed a primary ball handler or really needed a center, you might go in a different direction. But I think you, you can't have too many wings. You can't have too many three and D wings. Uh, he's got a nice sort of upward trajectory of, of showing improvement. Uh, I think he's looked a lot better this year off the dribble. He's taking and making some tough shots, uh, both from two and from three. Uh, just he he kind of checks a lot of the boxes I'm looking for when you're trying to find like a, a high end role player. Um, you know, he doesn't have like the type of defensive chops quite that like McCall Bridges has, but I mean it's that that's kind of the idea. Um, mm. And you can kind of fit him in just on, on any roster. Uh, and I've just, I've, I've liked what I've seen. Um, but again, I mean, I think there, there definitely is a tier here uh, of four or five guys. Yeah. I, I thought you'd go Jalen Smith there for sure. So this is kind of a surprising uh, pick. I, I, you know, I considered Tyrell Terry. Um, <laughs> but. Oh, man. I actually had a note to, to, to bring up Tyrell Terry at the end of this. So, so thank you for that. We were, that, this is actually one of our biggest collective misses in a long time was like, I was very sure that Tyrell Terry was going to be like an electric bench scorer, uh, not only this year, but last year. And uh, is he out of the league already? Uh, he's pretty close to being out of the league if he's not already. I think, I think they waived him at some point. Yeah. He was waived just before the start of the season. Yikes. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's a miss. You know, can't get him all. All right. Well, where do you have Cole Anthony at your list? Because after the the couple week run that he's had here, he has shot up to number four on my list. I had him. I had him fifth. Okay. Um, and that was sort of what I was alluding to. Like, if the, the thing with uh, the reason why I prefer Vassell over Anthony in a vacuum is just I think Vassell would be one of the six or seven best players on every team in the league and would have a spot to play. Whereas mm-hmm. Cole Anthony. Uh, not like he he competes defensively and he does everything you'd want him to do offensively but just you know when you're talking about a guy who's that short uh you know you have to have a a specific type of roster to find a way to to integrate him and Mm -hmm. um you know on on a lot of rosters he would just be kind of relegated to sort of a, a lou williams role uh which is which is fine but um you know, at least with, with Vassell, I know that he he fits and plays a, a big role, a key role um, for any yeah. team. Whereas, and you know, Anthony, um, you know, he's he's kind of he's got some like Kemba Walker vibes, yeah. uh, just in terms of being able to get his own shot, uh, kind of from anywhere. Um, it, like I said, I mean, he he's he plays hard on both ends. Um, uh, he really kind of did a, a bait and switch uh, with what he did in, in summer league because yeah. I was just like, oh, well, he's clearly behind Suggs now. Is he even going to be on this roster very long? Cause he had such a bad summer league. And then he's like, no, I'm just 
I'm actually like the best offensive player yeah. on this team by, by quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of last season, it kind of looked like a continuation of a lot of the shortcomings we saw at North Carolina before he got hurt, where it just it just looked like he was I think they list him at like six, two or six, three. But he just looked he looked so small out there. And that's still the case. But he's just come back so much more polished this year. Like if I told you 11 games into the year, like which rookie from this class is averaging 20.2 points, 7.1 rebounds, 5.2 assists, one steal, 3.3 made threes and shooting 41 percent from three. I don't think your first guess would have been Cole Anthony. I mean, that, that seems like what we thought Anthony Edwards would be doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Paul Anthony would have been one of my top three guesses. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. Um, and uh, yeah, like you said, I, I thought I thought Jalen Suggs would. I thought they'd maybe bring Cole Anthony off the bench. I, I, you know, I, I thought he'd be maybe be on his way out. You know, one of those guys who's you know just doesn't work out and, and ends up on his second team by by year two. But complete opposite. I, I, I've been this is this is one of my biggest misses. I think of the year. Like I didn't really even consider touching Cole Anthony, even at the end of some drafts that he wasn't really uh, a major consideration for me. Yeah, that was one of them that I'd really like to have back. I mean, I think, yeah, there's, there's a handful of guys where I just wish that I did not know whether, whether they played well in summer league or poorly in summer league. There's a handful of guys where I just wish that I was unaware right. of how they played. Um, and we might talk about one of those guys when we talk about this, this year's draft class. Last thing on, on Cole Anthony, where are we on our collective Sebastian Telfair comp for Cole Anthony? You <laughs> um, might already be better than Telfair ever was. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he's been. I mean, the Kemba, the Kemba Walker comp was more of sort of a, a height and shooting shot making comp. But like Cole Anthony can throw down. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, you know, I mean. Kemba Walker's never been able to throw down the way Cole Anthony can. And Cole Anthony's been uh, a pesky defender, I would say, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's clearly, whether you have him fourth or fifth or sixth, like he's clearly in this sort of next tier of guys if we're, if we're looking back. All right, so give me the rest of your top ten. You had, you had LaMelo, Edwards, Halliburton, Vassell, Anthony as your top five. Give me, give me six through ten. All right, I have Desmond Bain, six, Onyeko Kongwu, seven, Isaiah Stewart, eight, Tyrese Maxey, nine, and Patrick Williams, ten. Okay, I like it. We we have a lot of overlap there. Um, I, I have Bain at five on my list. I had Maxey, six. Uh, we both have a Kongwu at seven. I have Pat Williams at nine. Um, and then Stewart was... I relegated him to to my number 11 spot for now, and I don't feel great about it, but I, I just haven't really loved what I've seen from him this year. hasn't hasn't looked quite like the same guy uh, from last year, but I'll let you pick. Who do you want to touch on first from that group? Uh, let's touch on Bain since we had him ranked highest. Uh, like, I think he's just kind of a, a prototypical shooting guard. You know, I think he he does pretty much everything you'd want your shooting guard to do. Uh, it'd be nice if he had a, a bit longer wingspan, mm-hmm. but you know, that's you're kind of nitpicking there. And, you know, the, the efficiency that he's been shooting it with, um, he just, he always sort of seems to make the right play. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do many things where you're kind of scratching your head. Uh, he just, he's a winning player and 
Um, been really impressed with, with what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, winning players is the perfect characterization. And he's essentially just doing a a better follow-up to what we saw for a lot of last season. And and I think, you know, given where he was drafted, you know, the 30th overall pick, um, there there was some question as to, you know, how much of a potential mirage is this? But, you know, we're now, what, 77 games into his career. And, I mean, he was a 43% three-point shooter last year. He's a 40% three-point shooter this year on almost double the volume. Uh, fantastic free-throw shooter. The efficiency overall has maintained. He's had almost a steal a game um, coming up on 30 minutes per game. Like, he he's really only had one like non good game. I wouldn't even call it a bad game so far. And it was their most recent one uh, against Washington, but I, he's just been ridiculously dependable more than anything else. You know, he's not a guy, unlike the the top three or four guys that we mentioned, like he's, you know, he only has one 20 point game on the year. Like he's, he's almost always going to be sitting in that like 15 to 17 points range, but it just, the, the night to night floor is super, super high for not only a second year player, but a guy drafted where he was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, they crushed that one. I mean, when you, when you nail it with like such a steady player like that, uh, it kind of gives you the leeway the next year to take a big swing on Isaiah Williams. Uh, yeah, they they might, you know, they, they probably, there were probably guys on their board where they took Zaire Williams that they had much sort of safer grades on. Uh, but when you already have Bain, um, you know, when you already have, uh, you know, Dylan Brooks, a guy who you and I have always been really high on um, in Dylan Brooks. Always. Uh, I mean, I think you you take a big swing there on a, on a bit more of a project. Yeah, sneaky, nice, like half decade uh, of drafting by the Memphis Grizzlies um, and, and acquiring some of those picks mid-draft. I mean, they, they technically drafted Trey Murphy as well, uh, who I, I still like quite a bit, but but hasn't hasn't quite shown what he showed uh, in Summer League. I think I, I've been pretty impressed with Tyrese Maxey. I, I was still a little iffy on him last season. I, I felt like he it was a little bit overhyped, but but looked good toward the end of the year and has carried that over. Uh, part of it has been, you know, he's really benefited, obviously, from Ben Simmons not being there, Shake Milton being hurt to begin the year. He's played a ton of minutes, uh, so that's helped. But I, I think he's looked like pretty much the player that, that Philly had hoped. Would like to see a little bit more three-point volume. Like, he's barely taking two threes a game, and he's not a great three-point shooter, so maybe that's part of it. Um, but, but overall, I think he's been rock solid, you know, probably not on a, on a star trajectory, but I feel similarly about him as I do Bain, where it's just like, you know, you got a guy who at worst is going to be a really good, like seventh man for you for as long as you want him there. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with the volume. I would just want him to get better, um, because he, you know, to be sort of as slight as he is Yeah. and, that poor of a three-point shooter to have the the field goal percentage overall over 50 percent is really impressive so right i and when you have seth curry and danny green next to you i mean probably better to just let them shoot the the threes and i mean he's got a a really strong floater game and um you know he's good at getting past his man Mm -hmm. so I, i mean i think he on a really good team he's probably not a starter no uh and I think, you know, like I think Cole Anthony is just sort of a slightly better version of Maxi. And even with Cole Anthony, like, you know, maybe if, if Cole Anthony hits his ceiling, he's a starter on a really good team. But there, there's a decent chance where he would just be kind of your, like Cole Anthony and Tyrese Maxey, those guys could each win like a six man of the year at some point in their career. 
Yeah, absolutely. Glad we're on the same page about Okungbu. Uh, I mean, we've seen very little of him really dating back to last season. Of course, he hasn't played at all this year yet uh, as he recovers from that shoulder surgery. Um, you know, appeared in 50 games last year, was hurt on and off. You know, very rarely played more than like, you know, 10, 12 minutes uh, just because Atlanta was so deep and so healthy. But I feel like the, the rare occasions where we got to see glimpses of him where, you know, Clint Capella would miss a game or Capella would get in foul trouble. Like he would always show up. And and I, I there are a number of instances in that Eastern Conference finals against Milwaukee where you know, even if he would only come in for two minutes at the end of a quarter, like there were there were always there was always like at least one wild play where you're like, OK, I, I totally see what you guys saw in this guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a like a dynasty league or something like that, a Kongu is a guy that I would be trying to trade for now um, because he is totally just sort of out of sight, out of mind. Um, and and yeah, if, if you weren't watching, like when I watched him go up against Giannis, I was sort of thinking, is this is this the guy who's going to be like the best defensive player to put on Giannis for the next like five or six years? Because it sort of looked that way. I mean, he's, he's got the length. He's, he's got really good instincts. Um, and there's just, some Bam out of bio there. Yeah. I mean, he seems like he's just starting to sort of scratch the surface too, which, which makes that injury uh, all the more unfortunate. Um, and, you know, the, the number one thing I'm concerned about at this point is just like all the time he's missed all the develop, developmental uh, reps that he's missed. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into just a few of the guys uh, who you know, are, are either after 10 on your list or didn't quite make the cut. I, I know you're not going to like this, but I, I have Wiseman slotted in at my 10 spot. I'm not giving up on Wiseman quite yet. I, I don't know if you saw, he released a video last week of him dunking all over like a five foot eight trainer. Uh, so that was pretty impressive. He still got it. Um, <laughs> I, I just think like athleticism wise, you know, lengthwise, there, there's still enough there where I kind of look at it as like, who, would I trade, you know, player X for player Y? And I, I would, there's still part of me that that is very intrigued by what James Wiseman could become. And I don't know if Golden State is ultimately the spot for that to best transpire. But, you know, like I would I would rather have him than like Precious Achua, um, you know, Denny Abdia, RJ Hampton, Emmanuel Quickly, Peyton Pritchard. Those are those are the other guys in that zone for me. Um, Wiseman versus Isaiah Stewart to me was also somewhat of a conundrum. Yeah, you know, I. I took Stewart over Wise. I, I had Wiseman 12th for what it's okay. worth. Um, you know, him versus Stewart, I think Stewart has, like, he, Stewart gets all of the edges in anything to do with, um, like, effort and IQ. And Wiseman gets the edge in everything that just has to do with, like, athleticism. And, mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would take the center, like, especially at center, like, I feel like you get a ton of guys and, you know, I'm not saying this is Wiseman, but I'm, I mean, it could be, um, where it's just like you were born seven, you, you ended up being seven feet one and you're a crazy athlete. So you end up playing basketball, not necessarily because you love basketball, but because that's just what you do when you're seven one and you're crazy athletic. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Isaiah Stewart, like, you know, he, he gives you everything he's got. I think he's in a, just an awful situation right now where, I mean, that the Detroit Pistons, like, you know, like Sadiq Bay thinks that he is all of a sudden some like big scorer. And what was appealing about him as a prospect was like the three and D aspect of his game. And he's kind of completely forgotten about that. Um, 
Killian Hayes, you know, one of the worst point guards in the league. Jeremy Grant's had a terrible season. I mean, like in, in Bay and Grant, you got, you got two guys that think they're better at offense than they are. Um, they're playing a point guard just because they drafted him. Um, Kate Cunningham is just getting his feet wet. So I just, I think it's a really tough position for a center uh, to have success. And then you throw in the fact that they're only playing him like 24 minutes a game. Um, you know, I think, I think if Isaiah Stewart was on a team where he was the fourth best player in the starting lineup or fifth best player in the starting lineup, he would look a lot better, but you just have such kind of a dysfunctional wing situation, point guard situation there. that it's, it's tough for him to look good, but I mean, he still brings it every night. And um, like, I think he, he can fill a role. Whereas like Wiseman, I mean, we've seen how good this Warriors team has been without him. And we've seen how bad or how mediocre they've been with him. And like, that's not all his fault, but um, like, I think, like if, if the Warriors had Isaiah Stewart, I think he would just be their no doubt starter next to Draymond Green, and right. like he'd be a big time winning player for them. Whereas Wiseman, it's like, you know, we don't really we're not necessarily better when we play him, but we kind of have to play him a little bit. Um, so I mean, I think he probably has a higher ceiling than Stewart, but I think I just uh, give me the give me the safety um, all day there. How much do you think the Warriors regret not taking Lamelo? I mean, it's kind of low-hanging fruit at this point, but, like, I, it's just crazy to imagine what, like, that was a very realistic scenario going into draft night, and, I mean, not only do you not have LaMelo, but you've, to date, essentially taken a zero on the number two overall pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure that, that that haunts, you know, whoever, I there's always reports, whenever there's anything Warriors-related, it's always sort of reported as, you know, some people wanted this guy, some people wanted this guy. So um, I don't think there was a consensus that they should take Wiseman, but, but you know, you would you would assume probably uh, Joe Lacob was at least in favor of taking Wiseman, and probably I think Lacob wanted Tyrell Terry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I think there were even like reports like that they would consider like Halliburton there. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, they would just look like the smartest team ever if they had taken, if they just shocked the world and taken Halliburton there. Um, LaMelo, like, you know, obviously LaMelo would be huge for them. I don't know if he would have developed the same way there. Um, I just, I don't know if, like, I kind of, I feel like sort of he needed his, show to run kind of but i mean he still would have been great there obviously but i mean you put either lamello or i mean i picked them to go to the finals before the season but if you put lamello or halliburton there instead of wiseman then all of a sudden you might be talking about the favorite to win the finals i I think you absolutely would be um all right i'm just gonna you know conspicuously pass over the fact that we did not even mention the name obi toppin who i was extremely high on coming into that draft another big time miss i bet I don't know what I was thinking on that one, um, but I just, you know, I feel like I need to own up to that uh, while we're talking about the 2020 class. Let's just do a few minutes on the 2021 rookie class. I I just made a list of the guys who've impressed me most so far in order, and and I went Mobley, Barnes, Duarte, Franz Wagner, Green, Cunningham, Giddy, Shangoon, and Bones Highland. A- am I off on any of those? Am I missing anybody? Um, did you say... Davion Mitchell? 
I did not say Davion Mitchell. I, I mean, there, there's some intangible stuff with him that I really like so far, uh, and, that, and that's been well documented. But, you know, I mean, he's at 28% from three. He's under 40% from the field. The free throw shooting, which was bad in college, has been bad in the NBA. Um, so I, I think he's been kind of about what we expected. I, I wouldn't say I've been, like, blown away by him so far. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, like um, like Chris Duarte – is has probably is probably better than Mitchell, um, but I don't I don't know if I think those are guys those guys are in like different tiers necessarily. No, um, not not really. No. I mean, I I think that to me there's like this this clear tier of four. Um, like right now I would probably rank it like Mobley, Green, Barnes, Cunningham, but I mean that order could be different two weeks from now, but like. I think that there's that clear tier of those four guys. And then, you know, I think Giddy is probably the fifth guy. I would still take Kaminga and Shangun in the top seven, um, just based on like upside, even though they're probably a couple of years away from being uh, close to kind of their, their peak, just given how young they are. Um, I, I mean, ranking Chris Duarte is probably the toughest thing uh, right. because, you know, like, would you take Chris Duarte over Jalen Suggs right now? I was just going to ask yeah. you the same thing. I, I would prefer to not answer that myself. I, I still <laughs> wouldn't. Like, I, I would, and I was a big, big proponent of Suggs. So maybe this is just my 2021 version of Obi Toppin. But, I mean, I, I assume what you're alluding to with Duarte is, you know, we, we we kind of expected him to be pretty good coming in. I think he's been a little bit better than we expected and and the opportunity that that's been there um you know with, they've, they've had guys banged up seemingly every game so he, you know he's had a ton of games where he's played like 35 plus minutes already um and that certainly helped but i mean Suggs has just been so so bad as a shooter that it, it's tough to say like yeah i'll take the guy shooting 18 percent from three over the guy who is you know draining like 43 percent of, of his attempts and taking six a game but I, I, i'm not ready to hop off Suggs quite yet i mean the question is just like is duarte so solid that he's kind of this year's version of like Tyrese Halliburton with a, a lower long-term ceiling. Yeah. I mean, I think he, like, what's, what's he bad at, you know, like, I think he's not much. He's kind of along the same, like what I was sort of saying with like Devin Vassell or like Desmond Bain, like, you know, you can just plug him in on, on any roster and he's going to give you a good 28, 32 minutes a game and mm-hmm. he can, guard multiple positions he can play multiple positions on offense uh like he's shooting pretty well like off the dribble um i think he's just you know that every every draft or every couple drafts there's a guy who gets dinged because of how old he is and usually the old guys end up sucking but uh you know last year desmond bain probably goes 10 picks higher if he's two years younger. Uh, this year, Duarte maybe goes top seven or eight if he's two or three years younger. And, you know, they, their games obviously translate. Uh, he certainly goes ahead of, like, James Booknight, who really hasn't even been in the rotation. Um, I, I don't know what to think about Josh Primo. I think he was already in the G League early on, and that's not really all that surprising given where he's at developmentally. But, like, I don't know that there's a, a team right now in that like top 14 picks that doesn't feel at least okay about who they have. Right. Like, I, I mean, I think Orla- Orlando feels great about Wagner, maybe not 
fantastic about Suggs, but again, I don't, I don't think they're ready to hop off him uh, quite yet. He started all 11 games. You know, there, there have certainly been some positive flashes. Like I, Cunningham is going to end up looking really good, I think, as the season goes on and he gets more comfortable. Green's probably been a little more up and down than we expected, but, you know, the good has been really, really good. You, you see what made him the number two pick. Mobley's been incredible, obviously. Same with Barnes. Like, there are very few guys where you're like, I don't, I don't know how many more spots Duarte climbs. And that just speaks to, I think, the depth of this lottery talent because he's been really good. And normally you'd say like, oh, yeah, even though we're only 10 games into the year, this team would definitely have taken him. Like, I think there's really only two or three picks that, that look like potential do-overs right now. So, you mean, like, book night, definitely. Um... It's too early to say on Primo, but I think if you if you gave the Spurs true serum, they'd probably be fine taking Duarte. I, I would say probably 10 through 12. Like, I think Zaire Williams, Yeah. he might have a higher ceiling, but, I mean, I think you just take Duarte if, if you could right. redo that if you're them. Um, you know, I mean, I think – you know, maybe the Kings just stick with their guy since they wanted defense mm-hmm. there. Uh, I would take Duarte over Wagner, um, even though Wagner's had a nice start to the year. Um, yeah, I mean that would that would be go either way. I think I think the book night primo ones are kind of the obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Right, and those are only two spots ahead. You know, it doesn't look like there's a a top five pick that is just going to be complete trash. I the, the thing with Duarte is like if this is the baseline going forward, like he's what is he 23 24 like it's not like he can't improve at all like he can still get he can still get better you know there's not there's not the same room to improve as a player who's 18 or 19 but I mean if his baseline is 16 points you know four and a half boards three assists a steal and 40 percent from three on high volume I mean that that's a that's a pretty good starting point there aren't many guys who have the best year of their career as a rookie and just never improve from there yeah all right I agree is there anyone outside of that lottery um, other than Shangun who we've touched on who who's really caught your eye? Um, not without kind of reverting to like summer league. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much most you know most of the guys outside of the lottery barely played at all. So um, yeah, I think I'm looking at 14 through 30 right now. I think only. Bones Highland, Trey Murphy, and Shangun are the only ones who've played more than like 60 minutes. Oh, and, and Corey Kispert, who you know is barely cracking or not even cracking 10 minutes a game so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think like the the wild card to me is kind of Jalen Johnson, but you know oh, yeah. who knows when when he'll get to play significant minutes on that team. So. Yeah, well, you know where I stand on Jalen Johnson. I'm, I'm buying as much Jalen Johnson stock as possible. Uh, but we'll continue to check in on this rookie class as we get more and more uh, of a sample. James, appreciate you hopping on as always, man. Of course. Thanks. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.